You know, there's only one disease of mankind, and that's fear. Welcome back to another episode of the Becoming Fully Human podcast. My name is Camille, and today I'm very excited to introduce to you Andrew Verity. Andrew is the creator of Neurotraining, which is a kinesiology-based modality that has totally changed my life. Um, If you know me at all, either in person or through social media, you know that I vow by this modality when it comes to my health and to solving problems in my life. I'll save the personal experiences, although we touch on them a bit throughout the episode, for next week's episode. I'll go deep, I'll share vulnerably how the modality has impacted my health, has impacted my relationships, has completely shifted the way that I navigate in the world, as well as my experience with their new projects. So Andrew and Robert Schur, his colleague, have launched Neurological Networks and a course called Adaptive Immunity. This course is what we feature in the second half of the episode. We go deep on how it works, why it works. And so the purpose of this course is to boost your resilience in the world. So instead of trying to make the world feel safe so you can feel safe in it, you elevate your internal resilience so that whatever is going on outside of your body really doesn't matter anymore this is true empowerment and i mean we see this we see the varying degrees of resilience in our bodies all day long some people are really affected by emfs others aren't at all some people have chronic parasite issues others never had a parasite in their life Um, viral infections is another very obvious and relevant example. Some people are chronically sick. Others never seem to get anything. So your internal systems matter so, so much. They actually matter way more than what's going on around you because stress is an inevitable part of life. Parasites, mold, fungus, EMFs, these are a part of the world that we live in for better or worse. And so where your power lies is increasing your resilience. The course is meant to be done every day for 90 days, at which point you've actually retrained the way that your whole body works, your nervous system, your immune system, your respiratory system. It actually completely changes your neurology. And that's pretty amazing to me. So anyways, we get into all these different things in the podcast, the why, the how. And if you're interested in joining the course, you can click the link in the show notes for this podcast. I've also added a button 
on my website, uh, www.becomingfullyhuman.ca. You'll find the Adaptive Immunity Course button right at the top. I've also created a tiny URL, which is tinyurl.com slash adaptiveimmune. Um, yeah, check out the course. I hope you enjoy the podcast. And if you have any questions, you can email me at contactbecomingfullyhuman at gmail.com. Enjoy. Welcome. Um, thank you. I really appreciate the time. And um, I guess let's just start if you could tell me a little bit about yourself, maybe even your life before um, you discovered kinesiology and kind of how you discovered your talents in relation to kinesiology. Mm, okay. Well, uh, once upon a time, <laughs> um, when I was young, I used to do a lot of sport mm. and particularly judo. I really was into judo. In fact, I started at seven years old. So, um, my, my father came back from a trip from Canada and he brought back one of the first printed, um, manuals from the ICAK, the International College of Applied Kinesiology. And he said, Oh, I've got this really cool stuff. You know, I'll, I'll try it on you. And I'm going, Oh yeah, another one is, you know, he would find something and he'd try it find something. He just had this string of things. You know? Sounds like me. So, Here's another one. So it's, he said, stick out your arm. So, okay. So I stuck out my arm and he pushed on my arm and it went down. I couldn't hold it. And like all of a sudden, all of this exercise and training, because at the time I was training for the Australian judo championships. So I was putting a lot of extra work in just to find that the muscle wouldn't even hold my arm still. It's like, why am I doing this? You know, like everything just caved in. So <clears throat> then he rubbed a reflex on my body and then did the same muscle check and he pushed on the arm and not only could he not move it, but it felt like it was made of steel. I thought, that's it. I have to know what this is. Tell me everything you know. So I consumed that first manual mm. um, and started practicing it on actually other guys at judo first. You know, they'd fall over and hurt their shoulder and I'd go in and fix them up and then they'd throw me. So that didn't work out so well, but still. <laughs> um, and then they, then they, you know, like they'd get better and they'd say, well, you know, should I take some vitamins or some minerals or something? And I'm going, I don't know. Don't know anything about it. <laughs> so one of the guys at the judo club had just graduated and acupuncture college. And he said, look, I'm, I'm just enrolling in this new naturopathic college. It's got everything in it. You should enroll because no other college has all this stuff I'm going, well, yeah, okay. So I did. So long story short, I went through and did a diploma of naturopathy a diploma of iridology, um, uh, somatic, so, sorry, somatic analysis, which is like different herbs and how they relate to functions in your body. Um, and of course, I was doing the um, the uh, homeopathic diploma at the same time. At that time, there wasn't any kinesiology in that college, so I went to the 
principal and said, hey, look, you know, you really want to make this the best college needs to have kinesiology. And he said, well, who do you suggest we should have as a teacher? And he go, pick me, pick me, pick me. <laughs> so I started teaching in that college. Um, and that, that was sort of like the, the academic pathway into it. But the, once I read that first manual from the ICAK, I then started hunting around to get more and more information because it was just so fascinating. So I found teachers from America. Uh, there were some in Australia, uh, some from other places in the world. And I just basically just got myself buried in doing it. Um, I was invited by a group of people who were working in Melbourne who who were doing a thing called Touch for Health. And I'd never heard of it because I'd only done applied kinesiology up to that point. And they asked me to go and give them a lecture on what I knew. And I thought, well, I don't know that much. But I went along and I found that they knew even less. So I was showing them all this stuff and they were just blown away. And they, most of those people in that meeting became the foundation uh, support for the development of Touch for Health in um, certainly in Melbourne and also in Australia. Um, but around that time that I, you know, I found also that this phenomena, this kinesiology thing was a very generalized term and people were basically putting their own labels on what that meant and missed out on, I think, the, the focus of what it was, which is a phenomena called a change of muscle response, but how to use that efficiently was being um, misunderstood, misapplied, etc. So I started using it as a research tool mm. to find out more about what's really going on inside and how to make that work better. And that, that changed everything because then I realised yeah, there are some things that were really good in kinesiology and there are some things that really should stay away from. And basically, you know, it, it led to the development of uh, neurotraining and a diploma of neurotraining, mm -hmm. which is what we have now. <clears throat> Excuse me. So, um, it, it, oh, by the way, I, I won the championships, the judo championships. <laughs> yeah. um, and that was one of the, the main convincers that I knew I was you know, on the right track because, mm. you know, like this stuff is at that point in my life, it was like magic because I didn't really understand it very much. Or, I'm still you know. in that phase. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But it's good to keep that phase going because, yeah. you know, you, you never be disappointed then. You know? yeah. Do you think you can elaborate a little bit for those that might not even know what kinesiology is, kind of um, highlight it as as a modality and then how that differs from neurotraining like what leap is is taken from just generalized kinesiology into neurotraining mm. well there's um the the term itself kinesiology is simply the study of the movement of muscles around joints that's it and in many countries kinesiology actually refers to what we know as physiotherapy mm-hmm the kinesiology we're talking about, which usually has a prefix to it because of that reason, because the, the word kinesiology. So it needs to have a prefix. And so there was applied kinesiology, which was 
developed by George Goodhart and a lot of chiropractors around that time. Um, and to differentiate that from kinesiology, physiotherapy, they call it applied kinesiology. So applied kinesiology had a great array of methodologies in it and how they structured it was very much around the physical orientation of chiropractic because they were really looking for ways of getting to you know hold the the, the vertebra in place you know keep it there and they found lots of ways of being able to influence the muscles to do that so as i mentioned before when i started to uh, find that i could use it as a research tool um, I could basically use it to verify itself relative to all sorts of different imbalances in a person, which had been an assumption in a lot of other, or if most other kinesiologies. So kinesiology was, um, was uh, reduced to its basic mechanics by um, some chiropractors in America and sent out and was taught under the banner of Touch for Health. And Touch for Health still today is a is a quite a good summary of basic elements of that change of muscle response. But how to use it and understand how you can get the greatest effect from that is another story, right? So at one point I decided that I wasn't going to be a part of the kinesiology fraternity and constructed the methodology based on working with thousands of people over 50 years. Well, back then it was 30 years. Um, and put together a format of how we could actually use it in practice to get always the right result for the, for the client. Because if I say, this is kinesiology and you do that, 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 and that, and the person will be better. Yeah, they'll be better, but they may not be the better that they need. Mm -hmm. right? So we need to be able to find what a person needs for them. So I structured uh, methodology using muscle checking to validate that, plus the experience of working with all those people to put that together, and that became neuro training. Mm -hmm. So neuro training is actually much more a modality yeah. of how we work and the the kinesiology side of it is a monitoring process mm -hmm. rather than, you know, the reason for doing it. Yep. Cool. Yeah. Um, so I know there's, there's the nervous system, respiratory system, endocrine system, immune system. Um, I was initially going to ask you about the importance of the weight that the nervous system has, but maybe you can kind of talk about the relationship between um, the four and how it interact, how you, how you work with neurotraining to kind of influence, heal, you know, balance um, a person mm. through these different systems. The, to understand that, you have to understand a thing that we use and focus on in neurotraining, mm -hmm. which is the process of challenge. Mm -hmm. See, the nervous system learns by overcoming challenges. Mm -hmm. Right? So if I push you, you know, you're going to go backwards. So I push you again, you go back, I push you again, and you start to resist because you're learning that I don't want to be pushed backwards, right? So out of all of the systems, the one system that is monitoring challenge all the time 
is a respiratory system. Because just to breathe, you have to challenge the diaphragm, the lungs. That's like every time you breathe in, you are challenging your physiology. Mm-hmm. And its reaction is how it knows to cope with that challenge. So that's what it's learned. So the innate understanding of challenge is actually built into the respiratory system. Um, the other systems, the endocrine, the nervous system, even the genetic system for that matter, the, all of the different systems are how we modify our reaction to a challenge. So if, you, if I just quickly go back to the respiratory system again, the respiratory system has a huge array of compensatory processes that it uses to be able to measure and to adapt to change. It may, you know, conscript the biochemistry or the neurotransmitters or, you know, the lymphatic system or it'll try and find the best combination of things to put together to understand how to overcome that challenge. And that's why the respiratory system is the master system. It's right smack in the middle and it's actually connected to a lot of our psychological and subconscious abilities like our hypnotic structures, for example. Mm. Um, so that's why like in India, you've got lots of you know, breathing positions and meditations with you know, different types of breathing and stuff because it, it's, it's naturally connected to the hypnotic processing. So when, um, when a person comes in and they say, we've got a, oh, a hormonal problem, mm-hmm. we think, oh, it's an endocrine system problem. Well, actually, it may not be. It could be respiratory, it could be nervous system, it could be muscular, it could be, you know, some psychological thing. We don't know. But if the person is compensating, and this is the opposite to, to you know, actually developing skills overcoming challenge, they're compensating means that they've got a way of maintaining a way of functioning, but it's not optimal. Mm-hmm. And everybody is doing this. Everybody's walking around carrying non-optimal functions that they think is normal yeah, because they've habitualized them. Mm-hmm. You know? So, yeah, it's, um, it's an interesting challenge. But, you know, in um, the... The neurological networks we have you know the the process of being able to put a lot of these courses online and in the process of uh, if you like collating the information mm-hmm. we started to realize that there are very potent and significant relationships between things that we'd never thought of before like the relationships between the systems like if most people had their systems oriented properly like 80% of their problems would just disappear. This has been one of, that's why I'm still in the magic phase of neurotraining. Is that, <laughs> you know, yeah. I've gone to, I've worked actually with quite a few practitioners um, in across the country at this state. And uh, you go in with a problem and you think, you know, you know, we love to think we know. And I've, I've spent most of my life um, operating from that place. If I'm going to figure this out and what what this neurotraining what you know time and time again has taught me is that i actually have no idea and the more sure i think i am about what is causing my problem it's like so off the money it's 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 laughable and mm-hmm. and 
yeah, that's where the power is in this modality for me. It's it it takes out it takes out the guesswork, you know, let the body communicate for itself. And one thing I'm I'm pretty into at the moment and it speaks really to what you just said is trauma and how we all have these you know church let's say childhood trauma there's and not even necessarily big conventional traumas like conventional abuse um but little things things you know that make us that hit our self-worth that make us adapt to the environment in a way that we cultivate a coping mechanism and then this coping mechanism becomes a part of our reality and we structure, you know, our identity around it to protect ourselves from something that was once scary. And so it's very difficult to see these parts, these things that we've cultivated uh, as a compensation to something that might have been traumatic. And then when we're trying to fix our problem in our, you know, in our health, in our romantic relationship, why do I do this? Why do I get so triggered? It's like, oh, you know what? It act, it has nothing to do with, and it definitely has nothing to do with forcing a change, which is why different types of, you know, they sure they have their place, like the talk therapy and stuff like that, but you can't talk your way out of a problem when you don't actually know where it's coming from. Yeah. Well, the, um, like, for example, the talk therapy has to have enough insight within how it's structured to be able to uncover where it could be coming from. So basically it's looking for a cause, right? So getting back to the trauma, trauma has its own very specific set of activities in the body. Mm -hmm. So when a person is traumatized, the chemistry of the nervous system changes. Then everything that is going on at the time of the trauma now becomes associated together. It's like it's a picture. It gets stuck. Now, we can't go through it because we're either in it or it, we don't know how to change it. So we learn how to go around it and we adapt the best we can to having the trauma and still be able to function to the degree that we need to in society. Survival. But the is still there, yeah. right? So this is primarily a nervous system problem. But it's related to hormones because of the stress reactions and so on. It's also related to circulation. And, of course, it's related to breathing. Mm. All these other systems are going to be a part of it. So it's really, it's very critical to be able to get rid of the trauma patterns by breaking them up. And we do that through the nervous system first. And then we see what other associations there are. In other words, what else was out of balance at the time of the trauma that became locked together? And we basically train the nervous system to have better options on how to deal with those things. Mm -hmm. So then the brain goes, well, hang on. I'm not stuck with that. I can do what I want. Oh, okay, I'll give it away. And the trauma literally disappears. Oh, it's happened to me. There's like patterns that I've had for, I'm 30, 30 years of my life, essentially, I've been operating oh, no. with a reactive, with a reaction that, you know, when we get triggered by something, we like mm -hmm. to think, well, I can't do anything about it. It's how, and, and there's a lot of, um, a lot of teachings out there that suggest you can watch how you react to something, you know, you can, and then from there you can grow. But 
I was still stuck in this place that like, cool, I am aware I'm getting triggered. I know it's probably from childhood stuff, but I'm also just so sick of it. Like the roller coaster of feeling out of control with little, mm-hmm. you know, like getting triggered by abandonment issues and this and that. And then with one session on it, we actually, we didn't even have to do a proper session. Like your colleague, um, wonderful Robert Schur, who will, you know, chat about Mm. the course that you guys created in a bit, but through a little bit of investigating, it was like, oh yeah, oh, it's coming from this. Okay. Uh, A few little things, you know, one supplement Mm. from a deficiency that it was related to. And my body actually no longer reacts to the triggers. It's there's no there's no need to stop and you know watch where it's showing up in the body. All these somatic tools that are brilliant, actually, they've been very supportive, mm-hmm. um, almost as like more of a band aid, really. But getting yeah. to the root of the the problem for me, which of course it's different for every person, which is why also there's a bit of I I have it makes you wonder what uh, purpose giving advice to other people has because their problem and your problem, although the symptoms might be actually the same, who knows for that person where something's coming from. So yeah, it's been, it's been amazing. It's amazing. Well, you know, the the thing is that, that we focus very specifically on discovering causes. Yeah. um, Rather than, compensations mm-hmm. and the, for every 10 compensations there's one cause mm-hmm. but if you find that cause and you can rebalance and retrain the nervous system to respond to that in the proper way mm-hmm. that means all of the systems benefit from it mm-hmm. then it just wipes out all the compensations yeah. and you think every one of those compensations takes up energy and it has been habitualized inside your subconscious like they're all gone. So now what do you do with the energy? Well, you have fun. It's called living. You know? um, so, yeah, there's, there's um, uh, a lot of assumptions that, like, for example, if I'm an acupuncturist mm-hmm. and you come to me with a headache, I'm going to think about the acupuncture points to use to get rid of the headache. Yeah, That's symptomatic treatment. If I'm a herbalist, you come in with a headache. I do the same thing. What herbs could I use? I'm a chiropractor. I think, okay, let's fix the neck, you know. You know, like well, all of the modalities yeah. that have real benefit in their own technique may not be necessary for that person for that problem. Yeah. And so the neurotraining uses the person as the reference to find what they need for that problem at that time. And then we do it. Yeah. I had that epiphany actually a couple of years ago, having transitioned out of the mainstream paradigm where you, you know, you run to the medical doctor at the first sign of anything and getting a pharmaceutical band-aid. But it hit me that actually there's natural band-aids too, because if you're taking herbs blindly, and I did this for a very long time, I was taking so many supplements because I, you know, this person said this and I Googled and this, oh, this is supposed to do this. And so I was essentially slapping on band-aids left, right and center because it might alleviate symptoms for a little bit, but unless it's specifically supporting the root cause, then what's the point? And mm. that's what I love about neurotraining too, is that it, if you need acupuncture, if you need a herb, if you need, actually, if you need an antibiotic, it will show up if that is the, um, the path of what the body actually specifically needs, not to compensate more, but to heal properly. 
So it's mm. not, it, it kind of incorporates all the different modalities. It will communicate what it needs, but not just assume, which I did for a long time, that mm, I've got this symptom and, you know, ashwagandha helps reduce stress and I'm stressed, I must, I must take it. It's, yeah, it's mm. pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, we've, we've succumbed to the idea that there's a, a, a magic pill, right? <laughs> most people are trying to avoid pain. Mm -hmm. So most of these magic pills are pain remedies. Um, and we get the idea majorly from the medical model. That's their marketing strategy. Mm -hmm. But really what we find is that a person can't come in, well, they can, they can come in once and get rid of their acute symptoms. But that's just the start of a journey. You know, this is an unfolding of the process that they've created since even before birth. Yeah. So we've been adding to our story in this process all the way through until we get to the point where something is now obviously broken. Mm -hmm. And so our subconscious makes the symptoms not because of the symptoms, but because it's telling us to tell the world, help, I need help. I don't have what I need to undo what I've done to myself. Mm -hmm. So the neuro training gets in and it finds and it works backwards from now and it goes back through all the different processes that you've done to yourself and knocks them out. So that at every stage where you could have gone left and you went right, you can now go left, right? You can literally reset your path and in the process of doing that, get in touch with the incredibly um, amazing innate power mm. that everybody has. And, you know, like we, we talk about healing, but really healing is just an integration process. Now, literally all of those systems working together, you're invincible. Mm. You're invisible, you know, like nothing can touch you. I'll pivot slightly, although it's, of course, everything's quite related. Um, you've written a book about stress and mm -hmm. a quote related to it is that inherited factors can be just as much a part of our stress response, stress response as the issues confronting us now. So change mm. the response process, not the stress reaction or the stress itself. So could you elaborate a little bit on this and why and how we can change the response process to stress? Yeah, well, when we're threatened by something, what we'll immediately tend to do is to go back into our adrenal system and we'll reenact already locked in habitual responses to save ourselves. Mm. Quite often that has nothing to do with the brain. It's all instinctive and, and it's chemical. And people will live their whole life that way, mm. basically burning themselves out. What creates those habitual responses in the first place is quite often concepts and ideas, uh, patterns of behaviour that we may <clears throat> have even inherited, that we have no conscious connection to. And they create the patterns of response. <clears throat> we enact the patterns of response to protect ourselves and so when we're confronted by a stress we're working at that end of the process all the time and we're never changing the original reference for it so you can actually take a stress reaction and trace it back to its original 
format or its original reference, which in a sense is like a mental cause, mm. changed the perception at the time because time is important. Memory cells are used as a part of the referencing system for maintaining our mental patterns. So we will actually identify ages, different ages where things were locked in, like little mini traumas, if you like. Oh, right? that's come up and so much add, in every session, um, really. Yeah. Absolutely, yeah. Because um, <clears throat> actually it's part of how we operate. It's how we constructed ourselves in the first place. So unconstructing all the negative stuff, we're going to bump into different time frames. If we don't, if <clears throat> a therapy of any sort is done purely in present time, it's not going to last very long. Mm. It can't because the person only has to remember a trauma, for example. They activate those memory cells. With those memory cells, there are certain responses. That's what makes the stress reaction. That's what makes us brain dead. Mm. <laughs> so whatever the, the sort of stress or whatever, we, we're all constructed that same way. And it's a matter of associating via the nervous system a better option to that point in time so that when the subconscious comes back to that point, it goes, oh, but now I can do this. Oh, that's better. Mm-hmm. And it'll always take the best option. Mm-hmm. And that's that's our saving grace. Because if the subconscious didn't do that, I'd be out of a job. And None of this course, would work. of course, remembering the trauma is even necessary. It's often some things that we do, we have no we have no idea. That's what came up actually in my session with Robbie. It was um, mm. like an asthma attack at around age eight or nine. And, yeah. you know, that, of course, I never told him about. I didn't even remember. And he's like, did you have asthma around age eight or nine? And I remembered having a puffer. I was like, oh, yeah, year two, I Googled how old you are. And, of course, and it's like that breathing being this important catalyst for many things, as you just explained, mm-hmm. launched a pattern in my body that was playing out at age 30. And the proof is in the experience. We cleared that. We, you know, I took a few things. And the my stress response to this trigger that I've just been looping in for years vanished. Yeah, mm. yeah. Well, that's the key word, looping. Yeah. You know, we we literally reinforce what we did before by the re- the reaction that we take that reinforces what we did before by the reaction that we take, and we just keep looping through the same process. And so we get really, really good at being really, really bad. Exactly. <laughs> We don't even know we're doing it. Yeah. So people will, will, like you said before, they'll go in with a problem. They know they have a problem, but they think there is a solution to the problem, where in fact the problem is a result of a lot of different experiences adding up through a person's lifetime. Mm -hmm. And going back and, and undoing all of that stuff, but only working on the cause, changes a lifetime pathway of ill health like sometimes even in just one session. Yeah. It's amazing. But then the other side of it, um, which I think is just as important, especially these days, is that to be able to do that efficiently, you need to have a practitioner who's learned the system, knows how to do it properly, you know, and once they know the system, the system is what carries them through. Mm. Um, But these days, you know, we're not going to have... Access to as many practitioners as we want. So the the, the course training mm-hmm. on helping a person to be able to do stuff for themselves yeah. basically strips off all the 
professional have to is and gives them all the necessary basics for them to be able to train their nervous system themselves because mm-hmm. you can it's like it's not a, a taboo you know to actually do something on yourself to help yourself but we're sort of being led to believe that that's correct when something goes wrong with someone what do they do oh i've got to go to the doctor mm-hmm. why he didn't make the problem in the first place why go to the doctor you know but it's because people don't realize that they have such a wealth it's just an incredible wealth of opportunity built in to their nervous system and how that's all connected to the other systems man you know it's it's just incredible that you know like the other day a woman came in and also had asthma and she'd had it for i don't know 35 years or something um and it, it and basically it was an allergy response to um to something balanced her to the allergy response and she picked up her puffer and threw it in the rubbish tin on the way out i said what did you do that for she said well it's gone and how do you know she said it's gone it just it's like even if i try to think about having asthma it just isn't there mm. which is great because now that means all the connections in the subconscious have been made so that asthma is no longer a reference that reaction to that it was a food is gone mm. totally um she um she rang me back and basically said look you know uh, it was actually two tomatoes she said you know i just had a bowl of tomatoes and i'm still alive <laughs> i said well that was a interesting little experiment you know i wouldn't have done that myself but we're <laughs> just alive you know and she said you yeah, know just to you know i because i knew it was gone yeah you know and and you do you get that sense that those old patterns are no longer being used as a reference yeah that means that you can get back to just living right? yeah definitely the more um i mean i guess we're so conditioned to live in fear as well but now i'm at a point with my experience with neuro training where i'm the same it's a com- I was going to say blind faith, but it's actually not faith at all. And it's not blind. It's through experience. I now have complete faith. A complete knowing is the better word. A complete knowing that this modality works. So we're going to, we'll transition into the course actually. But before we do, I think maybe pave the way by asking you um, to talk a little bit about the immune system what it is, how it thrives, and maybe what does the current mainstream paradigm have wrong about it? Oh, that's, um, that's an interesting question. <clears throat> so I'll, I'll try and keep it as simple as I can. Um, we are a biological factory. So <clears throat> we're breathing in stuff all the time. We're eating stuff, we're drinking stuff. We need to be able to do that to feed our machinery. But there's not always clean food and water and air. So we get stuff in that actually we we don't want to have. It can actually damage the machinery. So we have a, a system called the immune system, which is designed to identify those particles if you like that we get into our body that are not good for us and that could be bacterias it could be viruses fungus yeast molds all sorts of weird things that we can get in there but our immune system is set up to have a, a number of different stages 
where it can monitor the progression or the effect of these things in our bodies. Now, this is a, a, a natural process. So once the immune system has identified a nasty, it's worked out how to beat it up and pull it apart, literally pull it apart, finds out all of its necessary equipment, and then it stores that as a memory. It, it, it remembers these necessary parts and it creates antibodies to those things. So if those things get back into our, our body again, these antibodies can identify that really, really quickly and we have a very quick response to those foreign bodies. So um, that's how it has been up to now. Now they're doing things with uh, injections, etc., that are changing the whole story. Because now instead of having the particles coming from the outside in, people are being um, trained genetically to produce these particles from the inside out. And this is now a totally different ballgame. So the, um, the immune system and what the immune system means has now changed. Mm. So unfortunately, people who have um, been working with the immune system in a certain way previous to now think they can use the same techniques and the same approach to deal with the challenges that we have now. Mm. And that's not going to work. It'll work to a point, but there's a lot more that has to be done. And it actually then goes back into the relationship between the immune system and the nervous system because the strength of our responses has to include the nervous system. So the challenges that we're being confronted with now have actually changed the focus from the immune system because there's plenty of things that can help the immune system to overcome you know, the, the natural processes of things. But these unnatural processes now have changed the focus to the to the nervous system. Mm. And the nervous system now has to be challenged in a way so that it overcomes that challenge and is stronger and now against the, the artificial uh, attack on the immune system. Right. And that's why I was saying before, you know, the the um, the process of challenge is critically important. You, you have to have the right challenge to elicit the right response that will help you to overcome whatever is challenging you in the first place. Right? So that's that's the tricky part, and that's what I've been researching, particularly for the last few years. Mm -hmm. um, and and I think that's going to answer that question: what's the difference between neurotraining and lots of the other things? Is that we have worked out how to challenge the nervous system in a very unique way. No one else is doing this anywhere so that when the people's immune systems are challenged their nervous system recognizes that which it couldn't do before and now it has a response to that that actually helps the person to get over it um, and it's it, it is a very different way of operating for the immune system mm -hmm. and there are things that we have to do to repair it because it's being damaged very greatly in the current environment. Um, and we know enough about it from previous to know what's damaged and how to fix that. Um, but it has to be done in a way so that the person becomes stronger from the experience rather than being you know, torn to pieces. Mm. So yeah, 
it's a it's a challenge for me too, you know. <laughs> so you and Robert Schur created um, the course that is probably the biggest driver for today's interview. Um, called Adaptive Immunity. And so this is a course for individuals to actually take back their power from the comforts of their own home and apply these principles that we've been discussing um, to improve the way that their body, you know, interacts with the world. Um, can you tell us a little bit, I mean, you did just touch on it, but maybe more specifically in terms of the course of how Adaptive Immunity, how the course works? Mm. Yeah, there's, um, th there's a few components to it. Um, there's obviously the neurological components, mm -hmm. which are actual physical um, exercises that they can do to elicit a neurological response. That's one part. Then there's a frequency side of it, which we use frequency, like um, the energetic side of things, to challenge that neurological response to change the effect. <clears throat> compounds and strengthens the effect. Then we can simply uh, focus that process on whatever the challenge is. So if a person has a flu, we can challenge it on the flu. We can challenge it to bacteria. We can challenge it to um, parasites. Um, Mothers-in-law, we haven't got there yet, but we're working on it. <laughs> um, politicians, well, forget that. It's not going to work at all. Um, but you know, in the processes of putting this together, there are sequences of events that people need to go through so as to create neurological pathways specifically designed for that process. Mm -hmm. We do that over a period of 90 days because in doing something over 90 days, it creates a neurological pathway that will be there for the rest of your life. Even if you never practice it after 90 days, it's still going to be there. Mm. Right? So, um, the, you know, there's, there's quite a few facets of understanding how our bodies work that we've put together so that if a person actually does their exercises in the way that is specified, that immune system will become uh, just so resilient and powerful that, um, you know, they could basically, you know, ward off anything and not even know that they've done it. Mm -hmm. um, so it is a training process. Mm -hmm. It's a very specific type of training uh, to achieve a certain end result. But once that's been locked in over the 90 days, it's there. It's built into your nervous system and it will never disappear. Mm. So it's a, it's a very long-term effect training. But it's only really 90 days and people get used to the exercises because there's not that many exercises um, and they can use the various frequency challenges you know to challenge the different protocols that we have within the training they, they just keep doing that for the 90 days and the, and the subconscious works out what the pattern is mm -hmm. once it's got the pattern we're in done fixed so before I ask you the next question, I thought I would confirm or maybe hopefully not deny a rumor that I've heard that a member of the royal family in Kuwait headhunted you from your clinic in Melbourne to work on their family exclusively. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So there was um, a big, big black Mercedes drove and parked at the front and it was a chauffeur driven. I thought that's unusual. 
and these two people got out and came in and they had they had scheduled two sessions each over that day and the next day. Um, so, you know, I just treated them like a normal client. What's your problem? How are you doing? Um, and at the end of the session, the woman said, well, um, I'd like to, uh, actually, it was the end of the second session on the second day. Um, she said, I'd like to know what it would take for you to come to Kuwait and work on my family. And after the first session, you know, when I got her name, I did a bit of research and found out that she was part of the royal family in Kuwait. Mm. And her friend was the top gynecologist in Egypt. Wow. So she just said, look, I'm going to um, visit this guy in Melbourne. Do you want to come? He said, yeah, sure. Like, Why not? <laughs> and he was blown out of the water and he was impressed. And the fact that he was impressed impressed her even more. <laughs> and so from there it was, you know, we worked on them up, right up until the um, the COVID restrictions hit mm-hmm. and stopped us from going over them. So I wanted to, I guess, touch on that before the next question because, um, I mean, people don't really generally have access to you to work one-on-one with you. I've known mm-hmm. about your work for a very long time. I mean, as long as I've been working with neurotraining and we've actually kind of joked um, amidst neurotraining practitioners that you're the guru's guru because, you know, you've created this modality. Um, and so it's not like someone can learn about neurotraining and then just rock up and get the guru's guru. But through the course, you're mm-hmm. actually going to be offering uh, live webinars, which is a part of the way that this course is structured is that apart from what is already there, the content of the course, you and other people will be giving um, live discussions where people can actually ask questions and go deeper and um, get more, maybe more of a grasp on not only how the course works, but also how things interact. Um, For example, parasites and toxins and 5G and um, so I thought maybe you could give um, a, elaborate a little bit, kind of how maybe you would in a webinar, um, on how specifically someone with these different situations can use the course to thrive. So, I mean, a very common one at the moment that people, some people are worried about is the um, electromagnetic toxicity happening. So with 5G come popping up, but also it being a part of modern life in general. Um, so maybe how someone who's exhibiting symptoms or um, or challenges in regards to this? How can the course help them? Mm. Yeah, that's a good question. Um, it's not actually the, the 5G per se. It's how well our existing response to electromagnetic radiation is processed in our body because we have what's called an electromagnetic system That means our subconscious nervous system, all the other major systems are monitoring the effects of all sorts of things, electromagnetics being one of them. So when we're confronted with 5G, we have a new set of challenges because 5G is not a consistent frequency. It's Mm -hmm. it's varying all the time. It pulses. That's done deliberately. Mm -hmm. It pulses, if I'm... It it pulses, yeah. Um, But the pulse rate changes too. So it's not, it's not something that our nervous system goes, oh, okay, every 0.3 of a second I need to do this mm. because it isn't 0.3 of a second. You know, it's like 
0.7 and it's three seconds and it's one and like mm. it's all over the shop. So our nervous system can't predict that. So what we have to do is to train our nervous system to use our electromagnetic system differently. Right? So then we use the 5G itself as the challenge to find out how to do that. Mm. We find out how to do that and people practice the, the protocols in strengthening their electromagnetic system to the point where then the 5G doesn't have the deleterious effect that it would with people who don't have a strong electromagnetic system. Mm -hmm. See, if we, um, I'll, I'll make this up because it's the only way I can do it. Mm. There's a, a poison called X, yep. right? And we've never had X before. We don't know how to process it. There's no way of understanding or even when we're getting it, right? So when this X gets into our bodies, we have all these weird symptoms and we're really crook and all that. But all of the systems inside of us don't know what to do with X because we have no previous experience of it. But we can take that X, right? We can actually find that it is X. We can train all the systems that are related to eliminating poisons out of the body, mm -hmm. train them to be stronger and more resilient, then X is just pushed out of their body. Mm. Or <clears throat> in the process of doing that research, we'll find out how to eliminate X out of our body. Mm -hmm. So that means that later on, if we're confronted with X again, we, we know what to do with it. And so it's no longer a problem. So the, 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 the key thing is that if we have an innate reference or understanding of what's happening inside of us, that relates to a specific challenge outside of us, we can work out what to do about it. Right? Um, it's, it's actually true that X is around and being pumped into us all over the place. Um, and it is something that is totally foreign to uh, humans. Mm. So we have literally non-organic materials invading our bodies and we have to learn how to to deal with that because we haven't had to deal with that before mm -hmm. unless you have a prosthesis or a plate put in or you know, mm. some mechanical device. And the doctors know that they have to go about doing that in very specific ways because, you know, people can get infections, they can go into autoimmune response reactions, they can do all sorts of things. So, yeah, it's, um, it's actually the 5G is not that hard to deal with. Mm. Um, 6G is going to be more of a challenge because it's a more powerful uh, medium. They're very similar, but if you stick your hand in a microwave and can actually turn it on, you're going to cook your hand. Mm. So there are laws of physics that we have to take into account to, um, to help people to be able to overcome these things. And that's where a hypnotic structure comes in because it can make recipes with what's inside of us that we've got no idea about. And yet it's connected to that respiratory system and that's connected to the nerves, the endocrine, like, you know, it just has this snowball effect. Mm. So that's all part of what we're referencing. But we're not doing any one thing by itself yeah, because we need things to be integrated. And it's that integration of the internal resources that makes us invincible. Like mm. you, you touched on, the course actually has 
protocols specifically after the initial um, dealing of boosting the immune system, it kind of branches off into different things like uh, like 5G, like uh, parasites, dealing with toxins, mold, fungus, stuff like that. Um, maybe you can touch on the difference between, say, the parasite uh, protocol through adaptive immunity and the difference between doing a parasite cleanse. So that would normally use mm. like clove and wormwood and, you know, all these typical um, maybe supplements and habits that you do to get rid of the parasites. How does that differ from adaptive immunity doing the parasite protocol? Yeah, well, parasites are actually very interesting because they, they discover biochemical ways of convincing your biochemistry that they don't exist. Right? So they're, they're very clever at doing that. Uh, and as soon as your immune system starts to discover them, they squirt out some more chemicals and the immune system says, oh, no, that's right, I don't know, we'll go over here and bypasses the parasite. So the traditional um, thinking around parasites is that there's an internal environment that's not correct. A person is harboring some fears or guilt or anxiety or stress or whatever, and they're holding that in a certain place in their body, and that is going to create a weakness in that area. And parasites will come into that area because they know it's easier to live there because of that environment. Now, there are some theories that say that the parasites are there to help us to clean up that weakened environment, which may or may not be true. But while that environment exists, those parasites have like an open invitation to stay there. Plus, they're telling us they're not there. Right? So they're the, the unwanted visitors come in the back door and is living in the roof and you don't even know that they're there. And then they're right? puppeteering foods for them to, to continue. <laughs> yeah. their, you know, you're craving sugar and you think it's you, but actually these organisms that kind of take over um, end right. up, yeah, puppeteering a lot of the things we do, the, the ways we react in the world, the ways we respond to stress, the foods we crave. Yeah, absolutely. Well, if they can produce chemicals to hide, they can produce chemicals to order the foods that they want. You know, like, oh, okay, some really like sugar, some really like spicy, some really like something else. So they just create the chemicals into the bloodstream normally that make you feel like you want to have those foods. Mm -hmm. um, but they will also um, become addicted to um, pharmaceuticals. They will, they will like and have a preference for some drugs um, and not just pharmaceutical drugs, you know, recreational drugs as well. Mm. So they can produce the, the command sequence for you to want to go out and have another marijuana or to have the symptoms that mean you get another dose of that medication. It's not that you have the problem. It's that you have the parasites who wow. want the medicine for that problem. Wow. Right? And this is all on the biochemical level. Um, but what we've found is that there are other ways of changing that environment, and that's largely neurological and in combination with the protocols. So we put these protocols together and we challenge them to be a stronger response, and that wipes out that environment. And the parasites can't live in that environment any longer. So then if you have your worm cleanse or whatever, or even just a good dose of, you know, pumpkin seeds and, you know, swisher, it's all gone. 
because there's nothing for them to hang on to. Um, in fact, parasites aren't that difficult to, well, some parasites are difficult to get rid of because of where they go. Mm. You know, ones that get into the gallbladder and <clears throat> the ducts and stuff around there are a bit tricky to get rid of. Um, but most parasites in the gut aren't so easy to get rid of. But just having the wormwood, et cetera, <clears throat> changes that environment at a biochemical level, mm -hmm. but doesn't change it at an emotional level. Or a mental level. <clears throat> so you have a temporary clean out because of the chemistry, but then because the person is entertaining the same concepts, that environment is re-established again and become the parasites. Mm -hmm. Which is why some yeah, people well, yeah. are always sick. Some people, you know, two people will go to the same environment, which of course the world is filled with viruses and parasites. They're in the yeah. earth. So walking bare feet, we can get parasites, you know, coming up through the soles of our feet, but two people go to mm -hmm. the same place. One person always gets sick, one person always gets the parasite, one person always gets, but it's it's creating that resilience on an internal level so that you can go out into the world and not be a, an open, not have an open invitation for all these stressors. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, cool. Um, so like when I went to Singapore in a research workshop, um, I played it smart and I watched where all the Singaporeans ate Said, oh, yeah, so they're eating now. Okay, so I go over there, <clears throat> have some food there, and I had the worst case of barley belly. Oh, it was like razor blades. It was just awful. So after a bit of trekking down, I found that if I took some tea tree oil, that would fix it. So I took some tea tree oil. Bang, literally in two hours, all the razor blades had gone. In another two hours, all the pain, all the diarrhea, everything all cleared up. Mm -hmm. And I thought, that's strange because tea tree oil isn't like one of your standard anti-parasite things. And then I realised it wasn't a parasite, it was a different type of amoeba that had got in there. Mm. Um, but it was through the muscle checking that I found that it was tea tree oil. Mm. So our innate intelligence, if you like, is able to monitor what's going on better than what we think is going on. And that's the advantage that we have in being able to use the muscle monitoring because it just takes us to exactly where we need to go when we need to go there. Mm -hmm. it's, it's almost like cheating. <laughs> and so the, okay. the course involves a lot of uh, rubbing, tapping, holding positions on the body. Can you elaborate a little bit? And we've touched on it a little bit earlier, but now in the context of the course, what's happening when you do these different things? Maybe um, you could give the example of when you turn the immune system on, you know, and you're doing the hands across the chest and then pressing on the pubic bone, maybe you can kind of elaborate on um, what's happening. Yeah. In the body. Why do we do these things? Yeah. So um, to understand that we, we use the analogy of the house that's burnt down. When a house burns down, you still got the foundations and stuff. And ironically, when a house burns down, the chimney is still standing. You ever notice that? Weird. Anyway, um, so these remnants, right, have to be cleaned out before you can build a new house. So a lot of the body um, challenges that we're using are finding those remnants that are still locked into our habitual responses. And so clearing that stuff out becomes um, a, a double problem for us. One is it activates the subconscious awareness to the fact that it is there. But then with 
what else we do that becomes associated in the process. And so then any time that's activated, the whole process gets stimulated. So it's a reinforcement process. Um, the tapping points, uh, tapping areas usually have to do with spinal activity and the flow of the neurological networks that go through the spine. See, only a fraction of information gets up into our brain because otherwise we wouldn't be able to think about anything, focus on anything, do anything. So instead of going up to the brain, it has a little shortcut and goes to the spine. And the spine has lots of little links and it will take the information somewhere else, stimulate another part of the body that it thinks will help. Unfortunately, that internal processing also becomes a habitual response to do the wrong thing. Mm. So the, the tapping of the, the spine actually helps to clear out those habitual responses that are not appropriate. And because we're doing it in a certain order, we're literally training the association of how it should be to the rest of the process. So it's a reinforcing again of the neurology mm. and the brain's relationship to that. Um, then we have the frequency side of things that are more to do with challenging the pattern of the habit than the, the doing of the habit. So most of the first part is the doing of the habit and we're basically training the person to build a new habit that is the right habit and that, that then becomes compared, the, the, the good habit gets compared to the old one. And the brain says, uh, that old one, that sucks. I'll chuck that away. Mm -hmm. And so then it just does the good one and it just goes on from there. That's after the 90 days, that's all cleared out. That's mm -hmm. why we need 90 days to, to have that done. So the frequency side of it actually matches what we're doing there and breaks down the habitual responses that otherwise we're, we're trying to get rid of just neurologically. But, you know, our brain, even though we say it's a neurological machine, <clears throat> it's building, <clears throat> excuse me, it's building patterns. The brain just makes and reads patterns. That's all it does the whole of our lifetime. Then the nervous system uses those patterns to suit itself. Well, if you've got a bunch of, bad patterns that it's created over the time, you're just driving yourself into the ground instead of making yourself bigger and stronger and better. Mm -hmm. So the frequency challenges to the protocols actually break down the old bad habits and replace them with a more appropriate, better habit. Mm -hmm. And again, reinforces the, the construction of these uh, good habits. So um, basically we're just changing a person from the old habits to new good habits in whatever area. Cool. Um, mm. We touched on the concept of challenge a few times actually um, throughout mm. the interview, but could you explain how the challenge cards works, uh, the challenge cards and how they play into the concept of challenge with maybe, I mean, there's different challenge cards for different um, situations. Yeah, maybe just touch on that a little bit so people can know. The yeah, the, the, the challenge cards are those frequency challenges that I was talking about. Mm -hmm. uh, we have, have some way of carrying the frequencies and you can put these cards on your body. Um, and, you know, we've worked with this concept before with um, uh, with things called N-optics, 
where you have um, a particular problem and we put together the frequencies to uh, counteract that problem and you know your subconscious does the rest we're not doing that we're not working on a problem what we're doing now is we're challenging with frequencies the effect of the protocol so instead of trying to find an answer to a problem we're actually finding a way of challenging part of the solution right, with frequencies and the frequencies are put together in these challenge cards so everybody needs to start with the first challenge card because that sets up the system basic immunity the immune system gets up and running right then other cards that follow you can actually do in whatever order you want unless you're told otherwise um, to extend the utilization of the protocols to certain areas like whether it's for parasites or for bacteria or for mothers-in-law or whatever it is right? so you know the so you have a set or a group of different cards mm -hmm. and in the course you get three cards basic primary cards um who want to take it further they can actually um, buy more cards and extend their immune ability um because it, you know the immune system is always learning mm -hmm. right? and once we've got the the basics established of what it has to learn it will learn most of the rest itself because that's its job because in the process of getting it to that point we've actually integrated a lot of the other systems without the person even knowing it hmm. so yeah the um <clears throat> the cards are basically the carriers of the frequency challenges breaking up those mental habits that have caused the problems in the first place yeah cool um mm. how so you've said 90 days the protocol mm. should be done for 90 days every single day every day for 90 days yep you can use different combinations of the cards and whatever part of the protocols that you're using but it's better if you do all the protocols mm -hmm. right from start to finish yep um, and you can add and change the cards while going through that it's the practicing of the protocols for that 90 days that builds in the neurology mm -hmm. that we want to have stuck in our subconscious. Wonderful. Mm. Mm. It's pretty tricky. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you. Thank you so much for your time and even more so for your time invested in creating the course and creating neurotraining and like serving the world in a way that like truly from the bottom of my heart, if people just could connect with these modalities and use them to serve their their health their well-being it we would be living in a much different world because i know from experience neurotraining <laughs> these courses have changed my life like this has completely changed the way that i see myself that i operate in the world my relationship to you know even being a part of nature and wanting to optimize and thrive in this world and not live from a place of fear and Feeling mm -hmm. like, you know, health is something outside of us. It actually is just so empowering and inspiring. So thank you. Yeah, that's my pleasure. You know, there's only one disease of mankind, and that's fear. And <clears throat> understanding the mechanisms of how we do that, it's actually not that hard to get rid of. But when we're in it, we don't know that. So these sorts of trainings and protocols actually help us to become aware of what's inside of us so that we can overcome and literally 
destroy the fears that are destroying our lives. I hope you guys enjoyed that episode as much as I did. I hope you're feeling empowered and inspired. And again, if you're interested in checking out the course, you can visit tinyurl.com slash adaptiveimmune or you can find the link to the Adaptive Immunity course on the main page of my website or you can just hit the link in the show notes for the podcast. I'll see you next week. Bye.